Welcome to episode 125 of The Real Photo Show. My guest today is Jesse Lenz. Uh, Jesse and I are going to talk about his first monograph, The Locus, which is a gorgeous book that explores childhood wonder and discovery, beauty and terror, and memory and imagination, as well as the notions of what family is and what home is. And you'll hear in our conversation the process of making this work was very much a, a turning point in Jesse's life, as he was also exploring what home meant to him. Uh, Jesse is a self-taught photographer and multidisciplinary artist. He was an illustrator for some of the most well-respected publications around the world, including Time, The New York Times Magazine, Newsweek, Rolling Stone, and many others. He's also a bit of a human dynamo. Uh, he's the founder and director of the Charcoal Book Club, Charcoal Press, and the Chico Hot Springs Portfolio Review. More on those later. Uh, and from 2011 to 2018, he was the co-founder and publisher of the Collective Quarterly and the Coyote Journal. Uh, he now lives on a farm in rural Ohio, which happens to be the setting for his book, The Locus. And we have a pretty interesting conversation about Jesse's history, which starts out in Montana, moves through Latvia, West Virginia, traveling around the country in an airstream, and then finally, maybe somewhat unwillingly, <laughs> ending up in Ohio. All right, so I do have a couple of announcements, and one is actually a, a result of having a really nice conversation with Jesse. After we stopped recording, we probably spoke for, I don't know, like another two, three hours, uh, I think until midnight, just learning a, a little bit more about each other and what we do. And we decided it would be a really good fit because of the the way we are both trying to expand the photographic community and the access to things like this podcast and the gallery I run in Trenton and the many platforms that Jesse runs from the Charcoal Book Club, the press, the Chico Portfolio Review, uh, which I will describe more of in just a moment. But anyway, the, the gist is we decided it would be a really nice fit uh, for the Charcoal Book Club to sponsor the Real Photo Show podcast. And so I am very pleased to announce that the Real Photo Show is sponsored by the Charcoal Book Club. And for those of you who don't know, the Charcoal Book Club is a monthly subscription service for photo book enthusiasts. Uh, working with the most respected names in contemporary photography, Charcoal selects and delivers essential photo books to a worldwide community of collectors. Each month, members receive a signed first edition monograph and an exclusive print to add to their collections. So there are three options to join the Charcoal Book Club. Uh, and in two of them, the quarterly plan and the annual plan, you can swap a book if you don't particularly care for the one that you received that month. But I suspect that if you are a fan of this show, you will probably like the books that the book club has been sending out to its members. And you can check out uh, those books at their shop at charcoalbookclub.com because you can also just buy those books that are still available right off of the website. But you don't get all the benefits of being a member, including the extras that come with the book and the discounts in the store. So if you are someone who is interested in photo books, and I suspect you are, this is a great way to keep building that collection and adding books that have been very carefully selected from all over. I mean, independent publishers and artists from around the world. You get the book, you get the signed print, and you get this really nice card, which includes a short bio about the artist, but also some very insightful comments from photographers and curators and writers. It's a pretty good deal, so go check it out at charcoalbookclub.com. 
So on another note, former guest and friend of the show, Andrew Sensi, has started a darkroom in Louisville, Kentucky, and it has the potential of becoming a community darkroom if he can raise enough money. Uh, So he started a Patreon for a postcard club in which you can join and he will send you a printed postcard, a lovely black and white printed postcard once a month. So you can check that out at andrewsensi.com. That's C-E-N-C-I, andrewsensi.com. All right, just one more announcement, and this is a good one, so hang on. Uh, And it's also a result of this wonderful conversation that I had with Jesse Lenz, which you are about to listen to. But uh, this is for the Chico Hot Springs Portfolio Review and Publishing Prize. Entries are being accepted until December 20th. Uh, The Chico Review is usually a seven-day photography retreat at Chico Hot Springs Resort near Livingston, Montana, and we actually talk quite a bit about this retreat uh, on the show. But it is hosted by the Charcoal Book Club to spark relationships between artists and industry professionals in an environment that fosters community and conversation. Uh, But because of our shutdowns, uh, this year it will be a two-week online masterclass and portfolio review. Uh, You can submit your work now for a chance to be one of 64 artists invited to participate with Sean Davey, Alejandro Cartagena, Tanya Franco-Klein, Ron Jude, Susan Lipper, Christian Patterson, and a list of 20 more respected photo book publishers and representatives from contemporary photography institutions. Participating artists receive 10 formal reviews by speakers and reviewers over a two-week period and take part in artist lectures, panel discussions, and peer reviews. At the end of the event, one grand prize winner will be announced and their project will be published and distributed as a monograph by Charcoal Book Club. Uh, Also this year, all participating attendees will have a selection of their work published and distributed in an opus catalog by the Charcoal Book Club. So not only do you get this incredible event and you get to meet incredible people, but you also get your work published at the end of it all. For more information on that and to apply, you can visit ChicoReview.com. That's all one word, C-H-I-C-O Review.com. Okay, sorry for the uh, slightly longer announcements than usual, but I am very excited to have a a new partnership, a new sponsor with Charcoal Book Club. Uh, And now, without further ado... Uh, Here is my conversation with Jesse Lenz. So thank you for listening. Enjoy the show, and we will talk soon. My name is Jesse Lenz. live in Ohio. I have four kids and twins on the way in uh, February. So... It's it's I don't get much sleep anyways because I <laughs> I do like five businesses and uh, I'm gonna get even less in the coming year so. Congratulations, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's people are always like, "Well, we're not really sure. Should we be congratulating?" I'm like, "It's this is just kind of par for the course for us." It's. I mean, I think it's kind of like a badass mic drop. You know, it's like on the way out. Hey, we're having twins. You know, it's. It'll be like cool in retrospect, but it's going to be pretty intense. Right. It's actually we. Um, it'll be our second cycle of three kids under three. Wow. Yeah, my first my first three boys are our, our youngest boys adopted. And they were only nine months apart, so they were like Irish twins. So they were three, two, and one, and that's when we we lived on the road. And then my daughter's two, and then we'll have twins, you know, in February. So then they'll be three and one and one. So 
It's a wow. yeah, it's an intense groupings, but they all got their like yeah. little broods, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. You said your your youngest were adopted. Yeah, my youngest son. Yeah. Oh, I see. So and your biological child and your youngest adopted son are nine months apart. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. yeah my yeah, second yeah, yeah. son, Roan, was nine months old uh, when we when we got Howard and um, we adopted him. We've had him since the day he was born, and we adopted him on his first birthday. Oh wow. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, it was it was intensive. My youngest son had like a partial cleft palate too, so mm-hmm. it was just like so many issues. <laughs> then we were like. When Howard turned one, we, you know, we sold our house and moved into an Airstream and went on the road. So we had like two kids in diapers and it was, yeah, it was h- yeah. hell on wheels. Why don't we just start there then? What, <laughs> why, uh, what made you sell your house and hit the road on an air, in an Airstream? Yeah. So I mean, there's quite a bit that leads up to it, but you know, I grew up traveling. I was born in Montana when I was six, we moved to the Soviet Union. Well, it was Latvia. So, you know, Baltic Republic, but it was nine months after they declared independence so we moved there like the middle of winter. Um, barely, wow. barely knew anyone. Was that work? Uh, yeah, my dad was a missionary oh, and yeah. and a pastor. Okay. So it was it was funny. He actually ended up teaching like a, a Bible study with uh, Nigerian and Ethiopian workers. So like I grew up living in the Soviet Union, surrounded by Nigerian and Ethiopians, which was what a, it's culturally yeah, what just weird. Experience. It was really yeah. Yeah, it was. It was it's a fun, it's a weird thing to look back in the pictures and like, wow, you have never thought we were in Latvia from looking at these pictures. Well, I remember when the Soviet Union fell, that is when we discovered there were all these sort of enclaves of Christianity and Catholicism, mm-hmm. right, that had survived all the way through the Soviet Union. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you found these people were all coming there for work and doing different things and kind of moving for the first time. And they were looking for those little pockets where, where they belonged again. Yeah, so it was really cool. So, you know, Grew up just traveling a lot, different countries, and you know, high school toured in bands, college toured in heavy metal bands. It was never really from anywhere, you know. So when that's the case, you kind of fall in love with the next place, and so that was kind of the longest stint that I hadn't been traveling. It was about I think four years after my wife and I were married, and um, we just had our second son. You know, we're, we're fostering another. We're going to be adopting him. And uh, we just kind of knew it was time to leave. Um, we were living in West Virginia at the time, uh, kind of where I grew up again, kind of went back whenever we had kids, just ready to go. Um, I'd been publishing uh, the Collective Quarterly for a while and just, I was traveling so much and we were like, well, we don't really feel we belong here and just kind of looking for a place to belong. So we were like, well, why not just travel and look for that together? My wife never really traveled like that. So solar house by an Airstream, and we had wanted to be traveling for like at least five years, but man, just like after that first year, we're like, this is just not going to work. I mean, it wasn't even just because of the kids and, you know, that was rough, you know, just kids that young. And, you know, we, we weren't like doing it easy. We were like out in really rough places. We were like living like oh. in the Mojave desert, like out in the boondocks, like no power, no water. Like, oh yeah. Take there's all a, day looking a, a for word water, for that, right? That, what's the word for that when you when you pull up your 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 yeah, camper? Boondocking. To a, boondocking. Yeah. Yes, so right. we we're you know yeah. we 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 go big or go home. So you know we were doing stuff like that, <laughs> which you know it adds to the stress because you know we were like there when all the Mojave pit vipers were coming out and they're like the most aggressive pit vipers in the world and you know we got kids oh playing as trucks in the scrub and you hear like <laughs> you realize like how much you have to grow up and be used to that to be used to it, you know? Right. So, you know, it was just all that kind of stuff was rough. And then I just realized too, that um, I kind of thought that by taking my family with me, I wouldn't have that kind of separation from them when I would go and work. And 
I ended up doing it still. It'd be like, you know, we'd be boondocking that I'd run off and do stories for a few days and my family would be left in the middle of nowhere without me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it didn't really solve that problem. Um, you, were you doing graphic design then? Illustration? Yeah, kind of everything. So, I mean, I never have really done graphic design. Oh, okay. You know, so I, I was a graphic design major. I've, you know, I've done it for myself, you know, for websites and stuff like that. But I've always, you know, kind of first career was an illustrator. And yeah, I was still doing illustration, kind of intermittently paying bills, you know, just trying to do as much of that as I could. But even that was tough because you, know, you get a job come in and then you have to find Wi-Fi, you know, and so yeah. you could it, it sometimes would take a day to find a place with decent Wi-Fi. And then you have to go back a couple of days in a row to email. It's just if you're going to do something like that, you either you have to really do it, like be disconnected or just park in a, you know, a trailer park that has good Wi-Fi. <laughs> just, right. You can't you can't <laughs> do both. Right. Where did where did you uh, study uh, graphic design? Yeah, just a tiny little state school in West Virginia called West Liberty. It's West Liberty University now, but it's West Liberty State College is, you know, like the oldest and cheapest school in the state. And um, it's oh, like okay. the only place I could afford to go. And, you right. know, it, it turned out to be really great. You know, I, I really wanted to, to kind of, you know, I wasn't from West Virginia and I kind of had that attitude, like, I'm going to get out of here. You know, grew up in like a town without a stoplight kind of deal in, in the Rust Belt. And uh, was really kind of disappointed when I realized I, like, I couldn't afford to go to like the Art Institute of Pittsburgh or something like that and kind of put things off because I was you know, the first person in my family to go to college, like a, oh, wow. like a actual, you know, university. So I wasn't really sure of the paperwork and everything and ended up going up there and um, just really kind of connected with a couple of the professors and they tried as much as they could to help me. We had like the promised scholarship. So I got free tuition because it was in-state school and went there and it was right before I went, I had a really good friend tell me, it was like, you know, college is like high school. You get out of it what you put into it. So you can go to a great place and come out just nothing but in debt, or you can go to a tiny school and kind of come out on top of the world. And it's really true. And my professors took like a huge interest in me. still to this day are really good friends of mine. Like I still really love a lot of them and um, really have stayed connected. And, you know, I was a graphic design major, not because I wanted to be, but it was the only major. And I didn't even really know there was something else you could do in art to make money. <laughs> you know, it's like small town, you know, it's like, well, you do graphic design. Okay. Like it's kind of like a catch all for art quote unquote oh, it is and, and it's the one that seems like it has a job at the end right it, you're right? like oh right. cool people make money at this and so <laughs> right i was doing that and just like my, it was my senior year and I, I was married my senior year my wife and i uh she came back for a second major and we're like well if we get married i'm an ra we could live on campus for free and get meals for free for an entire year like <laughs> might as well like we're gonna get married when we get out anyway so so we were married and i just i realized it's like a hey graphic design I'm graduating like, you know, less than a year. I got to figure this thing out. And so I threw my graphic design portfolio away and met someone who was an illustrator. I was like, you get paid just to make pictures? Like, that's the only thing I liked about graphic <laughs> design. And you know, I was making like band CDs and merch. And the only thing I liked about it was like taking the pictures and making a cool album cover. And so that kind of really opened up a whole set of doors that I didn't even know existed. And, you know, pretty quickly after that, you know, I started... So I started illustrating dictionary.com's word of the day every day. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, like I always read it since high school, always loved it. And um, so I just started making illustrations, illustrating that word. And so in like three months, I had a really good portfolio. You know, I had like pretty solid portfolio, <laughs> got into a few, like won a few contests and just started kind of working the angles I had. You know, I talked to the illustrator that I knew and he was really well connected uh, he was doing stuff for like the New Yorker and stuff. He gave me like my first batch of like five names in the industry. And so I emailed them and, 
you know, like pretty quickly, you know, within, you know, a couple of years I was doing covers for the New York Times and just went from there. We're uh, jumping around a little bit, of course. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm, just the nature I, of a conversation. Get, no, tangents. don't worry about it. I don't believe me. I don't mind. I, you know, I, I've even prompted you to change yeah. subjects. But just to get back a little bit, um, you married your wife in your senior year of college. And that's Caitlin. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you were you were on the road with with two kids and it, and you were talking about the difficulties of it and all. At at this point, you had already started the collective quarterly. Yeah, co-founder. Yeah, so the collective started probably three years before we went on the road. I would say, mm. and we were kind of we were doing it. I was just traveling a lot. Then we went on the road, kind of for the final final year of that. We did it for a little bit longer. Whenever I was living here in Ohio, but it was kind of you could feel it kind of slowing down a bit just because interests were starting to change. But yeah, that's kind of the main reason we were doing it. We were traveling, um, looking for location scouting. Okay. As I was doing that ma- that publication, I was you just kind of constantly realizing how much better the content is the longer you stay. Stories are better. Contacts are better. I mean, we used to go and just, I would take my family in like an RV and we would stay in a place for three or four months. And just the depth you could get with people and the trust and the access... And so I just kind of wanted to keep pushing that farther and farther and seeing how much deeper we could go and thought we could do that with with the whole family. That was a a magazine, a publication that was based upon, you know, discovering a place through its people in a sense. Yeah. So right? every every issue was based in different location and they're always like small, out of the way kind of magical places. Places that most people a place that like either people grew up there and they didn't really care about it or they accidentally drove through it and kind of <laughs> forsook the rest of their life just to move there. Like those really interesting places that kind of have both of those, that contrast going on. So yeah, we would do a whole issue and it was always based in one like small geographic location. And basically it was just stories about the people and the history, really just to kind of give it, you know, kind of some, some context and really to go deep in a place that, you know, most people kind of knew of, but it was mostly kind of superficial, like, oh, it's really pretty there. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, there's like a huge architectural movement that started here. There's all these like crazy hippies that moved here. And, you know, there's just all these, you know, interesting stories. Yeah. The, um, was that the start of then charcoal publishing the collective quarterly? Was that the beginning of that? Yeah. Kind of like towards the end, we started like, Charcoal was like this, when when I got the idea for the book club, we kind of started passing charcoal around a little bit because I knew we were going to be doing publishing. So we started, I think the last issue of the collective, we like said it came from Charcoal Press, um, even though it wasn't ending up what we were doing. We were like starting to try to like see if these things came together or not. Connect them. Yeah, yeah. Then, you know, the collective, we just decided that it was my business partner and I were just he was going in different direction than I was going. And, you know, that was really, I didn't know what photo books were when I was making that. I'd never really seen a photo book. It wasn't really till towards the end of that, that I started kind of becoming more aware of the photo book world. I was like, whoa, this is oh, actually wow. what I've been trying to make. I mean, the the magazine, it was a 200 page book, every issue. Right. And, right. you know, like beautifully printed. And it was like, you know, we were selling it for like $20 and, but, you know, we sold all over the world. So we were doing, you know, five to 10,000 copies every quarter. You know, I was figuring out all the logistics for it, you know, like warehouses, how can we move it around for cheaper? You know, it was a really much lower profit margin book. So you have to be more creative. And so doing all that background really helped out when I started thinking about photo books. Cause I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like we're moving way more of these things than what most photo book publishers are. Like, why is that? Starting to look at the price, like, okay, these are like really actually good markets markups, you know, like how can we decrease, you know, shipping costs around the world and how can we also like give 
you know, customers like more confidence in what they're buying and, you know, like better packaging and like a more unified brand, you know, just kind of like all these things that, <laughs> you know, from doing that, yeah. that kind of influence all those decisions. But yeah, kind of towards the end of that, when I'm, it was really when we moved to Ohio and the collective started kind of dwindling down and we were, we were trying to do some other stuff, but really that's kind of where like the photo book focus started. And I realized like, well, I have this space in Ohio like Ohio has tons of distribution centers all around like Twin Palms, like warehouses, their books oh, 20, wow, yeah. 20 minutes from me. Like anytime we order from <laughs> them, I just drive up and pick up the books from them. Um, so, you know, there's like lots of stuff like that. So it really kind of started this idea. I was like, well, there really needs to be these, you know, these more curatorial things. So like, that's definitely where the, the idea began and it kind of just like changed hands. Like it passed the baton from, from the collective to uh, to charcoal pretty pretty seamlessly, and we kind of launched it to the collective quarterly audience first. You know, just kind of like you know brought that right. audience over because that's really you know the audience I came from, which is like kind of skateboarding and DIY culture. You know, really interested mm -hmm. in, in visual culture, but not really, as they say in the uh, the photo ghetto. Um, you know, we're not really not really connected with like the traditional you know contemporary world. Kind of come to photography through music and, and kind of other culture. So it's always been a really big focus of mine is accessing those people who have a desire and a need for, you know, visual material and just don't really even know this world exists. And like when I found it, it was like a come to Jesus moment, you know, I was like, oh my <laughs> God, like this is, this is incredible. Like how do I, do I not know that these things exist? Like all the things I hate about doing magazines, this doesn't have any of it. Like I don't have to work with editors or writers <laughs> It's like about what like the artist wanted it to be, and not like what the source wanted it to be. You know, it was, mm -hmm. it was amazing. It was a it was a beautiful moment. Well, just to, to help tie it all together for everyone, yeah, and you even said it a little bit up front how you're involved in like five different businesses. Yeah. But um, it's you know the the charcoal book club, part of the charcoal press, right? Yeah. They're they're all kind of one entity. You know, the, it sounds like though the the book club. And the press came up at the same time at the end of the collective quarterly? Yeah, they both came up. And, you know, kind of anything that I do, it's like I always am like kind of creating these octopuses where it's like this kind of main idea, but there's like all these other tentacles and webs that is working with us. So like for me, like charcoal right. is really kind of like the heart of everything. And the first thing, like if you're building a wall, was the book club because the book club gives you the audience. It gives you the trust. It also, um, unlike being just a publisher, it doesn't really require anyone to trust us like it just they all they had to do is make a choice to like enjoy photo books like they don't even have to enjoy right. ours you know it's just like as long as we curate really well and we're smart that's all they have to say yes to it's like saying yes to spotify you know it's like well you just have to right. like music that's right you know it's you don't have to like a certain artist you're not like signing up for like taylor swift's streaming service you know you're just like right. you're getting everything so that was really kind of the first thing and then we knew that through that um you know obviously we were going to be publishing but never a lot you know kind of just whenever we saw stuff that we we found interesting and you know we have about like six projects in the pipeline right now but really being able to i think kind of bring another side to the photo book publishing market where you know, we know what our audience enjoys. Like we can see their buying habits. We know the kind of books that they, that they don't swap that everyone keeps. And 
a lot of times those are lining up with, you know, with our taste and our curator's taste. And so we can look at that. And when we see projects that make us really excited, we can just jump on them and get behind the yeah. artist in a way that a lot of people aren't anymore. You know, we don't ask the artist to pay for their book. You know, we don't, we don't have these time limits where we have to get it out for like a fair or to pre-sell copies. You know, we can just say, no, we're, we're going to do it, but we can wait until it's ready. So it's, it's really kind of like the publishing situation. I kind of always thought there were out there but kind of like <laughs> you start realizing that there really aren't so you kind of you know got to make it you know the way that you wish it was right. so yeah it's a, so there's it's a that, membership then, you know, based a, just to back oh, up a little bit it's yeah, a membership based book club that and you get this book once a month right yeah so um, yeah so, and it's and it's which is curated by a group of you know really excellent yeah artists. and you know and the books come together differently every month that's really the fun of it and we we really try to stay loose with it because you have to be able to be kind of limber like sometimes like we'll see a book and we're like oh my god and we like we call the publisher and like do you have enough copies for us um we're gonna buy it right now and other times you know we've known about a book for months or we've already committed to it six months in advance and right you know there's all right. these really great things we can do but yeah it's you know the idea was you know that would be like a you know basically like a wine of the month club um but for photo books but you know you can actually put the book on your shelf instead of recycling the bottle afterwards right <laughs> um but you know because i really felt that whenever we when i was getting into photo books that it was that same feeling of like if you're just getting into drinking wine you go to a wine store and like you feel really like you don't know what to do like you like wine but <laughs> what kind do you like and you know the worst experience in the world is like going to a shop where like the the patron is just like well why don't you know what you want or like you know it's just like you don't want that feeling what you need is a really enthusiastic best friend who's like so excited to show you everything and will hold your hand through the whole thing and get you excited about it and so that's what we really wanted to do was to be able to you know, kind of share that with our members and, and also kind of like cut down a lot of the boundaries for buying photo books. I really felt that was there where, you know, I was buying a lot of photo books and I was buying them from Japan everywhere. And, you know, I was, you know, you're paying, you know, $80 plus, you know, international shipping for a book that all you get to see is the cover of it or like maybe one or two spreads. And I just kind of consistently got books I was disappointed in. And it's just like, man, there's got to be kind of a better way to do this. And that's where that kind of like standardized pricing comes in, where it's just like every month you're getting, you know, it's the same price, but, you know, we're able to get really good deals. And so, you know, a lot of times people are getting $75, $80 books for, you know, $58 a month and free shipping. And we take a lot of those cuts just to be able to say like, you know, this book is really important. People are really going to enjoy this. And so like we can make it happen. And, you know, it's kind of good for everyone because like, there's not many of those kind of like big distribution um, mm -hmm. models in, in photo books anymore. You know, they're kind of used to right. be, but there's really not that much anymore. So we're kind of able to step into that space and really help kind of move projects. Well, I mean, if you go to charcoalbookclub.com, you, you'll see an amazing list of books. I mean, at books that it, it looks like you could buy if you weren't a member is that right yeah yeah i mean you can buy all the yeah, books it's also you know, a, the book storefront of, yeah the book of the month you know if you're a member then you get it and you also get we send like a curator's note card so kind of like a tasting notes where our editor will write about the book or if it's a guest curator they'll write about the book um and also it comes with a uh, a little like four by five print from the artist which is fun too and it's oh, free wow. yeah yeah so stuff like that, then also like all members get like 10% off on our bookstore at all times. Like there's like, we, we try to pack in as many perks as possible. You know, they get like to our event for our Chico event, which is like one of those other things um, that we do. It's like, they get so, special yeah, discounts. Bring, so there's yeah, the, they there's get, the Chico Hot Springs Portfolio Review yeah. that you're also a part of, yeah, right? the, our founder yeah. of, <laughs> director of. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of, <laughs> me, it means it's a one man show half the time. <laughs> 
responsible for it. Maybe that's a better, maybe that's a better word. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a portfolio review. Yeah. So Chico Hot Springs is, is a really incredible place. It's, um, it's one of the oldest, uh, resorts in the state. It's, it's a place that like Montanans go to vacation. So it's really affordable. It's not fussy. It's not overly fancy. It's, it's incredible. They have like some of the best food, one of the best wine cellars in the entire area, Mm. but you'll have the rancher down the road coming in for steak and, you know, whiskey at the same time as like, you know, like Jeff Bridges, uh, met his, met his wife in the saloon. Uh, she was a waitress at Chico when he was filming Rancho Deluxe and they had like a house there and he comes in and plays shows. So like, there's always that crazy stuff. And (laughs) It's actually um, that area, Livingston, it's where uh, Doug Peacock lived. It's where uh, Jim Harrison lived. It's a, a mm. ton of famous American writers have lived there. And um, that, that place has always been their, their hangout spot and their, uh, their watering hole. So it's just a really special place. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, the, the idea for that event was um, kind of similar to what we did in the collective, which was this idea of bringing people from all over the country together this kind of like, you know, round table and, you know, bringing, uh, was it like 25 kind of like pretty big name, you know, photography people in, you know, publishers and artists, and then bringing like 60, it's like 67 students. It's a, it's a pretty small, uh, like attendee to speaker ratio. And what that means is that like over seven days, you just, you actually get to know people, you know, you become mm-hmm. friends, you, you're not just getting your portfolio review. And that's like, it's like it is in life. You like, you know, if you had a portfolio review, that's like your foot in the door. You know, then right. then it comes down to like, are you fun to talk to on the phone? Do you come through on time? Like, are you an asshole? Like, you know, it goes like all <laughs> these things. Like, those are the things that actually matter. And I think that a lot of times people coming in or even just like trying to crack in, like they don't realize how important all like relationships are. And that's why it always looks like it's just this small group of people that make things happen. It's like, no, because people work with people they trust and that they that's like, right. you yeah. know, and so like you have to find your backdoor way in. So that was the idea of that event is that it guarantees relationships being built. You know, if you're spending seven days hanging out, drinking in a hot springs together and like doing karaoke, like it just, it builds friendships <laughs> and it's really amazing to see, you know, like going into the fifth year of it, just like the relationships that have gone on for, you know, over five years. And, you know, it's fun. We started an alumni program with the two where like our past alumni can come back every year without applying and they can just come and like be part of the culture, which is really cool too. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. it's, it's getting bigger, you know, like we have to do it online this year, which is a big bummer. Oh, that's right. Um, so we're, we're, we're doing the best we can, you know, it's a lot cheaper this year for people, you know, cause sometimes that's um, a hindrance for, for folks because it just costs a lot to be like an all, all inclusive, you know, event for seven days. Right. right. Um, but this year, which is what you'd really want, but yeah, Yeah, exactly. You know, and this year it's not. So that opens the door to some other folks. And then also, um, you know, we're publishing like a big catalog this year with every, every attendees work in it that will distribute worldwide. So trying to to offset the, the bummer of this year as as much as possible. But, you know, we have a few other projects in the pipeline that we're working with charcoal that we're going to be launching, um, like next year, um, I'm not going to get into it too much until we actually have like a, a real thing. Sure. But it's yeah, yeah. it's a kind of a, a new way to interact with uh, with analog uh, prints from artists in a way that actually 
opens up the accessibility to like people that aren't collectors with you know giant budgets. <laughs> so that's really exciting. You know, and all these all these things that we're really doing, it, it really does come down to um, like creating a community and and really making opportunities that like we would take if they existed or that we would want. And so I think that like that's where it's really exciting because you see that there's a lot of opportunities for people like you, which you know, like building book club and with the Chigo events, like you see that like at least our audience is, is very similar to that. It's like you, and we have a lot of the same values because we've built it in a kind of a similar kind of compatible way. And so it's kind of exciting just to see in industries where people think that there's like no future, that there's just a lot, right. you know, I, I've pretty much any industry I've ever came into has always been decline. Like I came into magazines when they're at like their lowest point, you know, I started right. publishing my own magazine, like, and all those things were successful, like made money at them. Like it, but it was just like very different. You, you had to think on your feet a lot quicker and, you know, living not in expensive places and, you know, have different life choices, you know, all those things kind of play into it. But yeah, it's just, it's exciting to, to think of that there is lots of possibilities, even in a landscape that seems like there's a, there's only a few like set ways. If that makes any sense. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so just to, to weave it back in again, so you, you do give up the travel in a, in an Airstream and you settle down in a house in Ohio, right? Yeah. Uh, where you're recording from right now, from your basement while it's being renovated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, making space for and, these twins. That's right. And is it when you you settle down in this house that you start this work, uh, your your latest project and, and your soon to be released book, Locust? Is that yeah, the locust? yeah, is that the locust? Yeah. When you so, start this work, yeah, it's it it all started around that time. You know, um, that time of moving here was like just a a big bit of change. You know, it was like kind of forcing me to confront. Like, I didn't want to live here. I didn't want to live in Ohio. I didn't like the Midwest, like culturally or landscape wise. I wasn't interested in it. I was kind of being a bit of a bitch about it for a while. And I was just kind of, <laughs> like, I was, I was just like angry. I was like looking for reasons to leave. And my buddy and I, John, John Levitt, I do, he helps me with everything I do. And you know, we published his book first with, with Charcoal Press. But him and I, we were traveling to Newfoundland a lot and working and just doing all of these things. And I, I just remember this one conversation, um, you know, because like I'm a photographer, like, of course, I shoot my kids, but I was never interested in that as a body of work. I was just photographing them kind of like to stay in shape, you know, when I was off the road. And I remember photographing this one picture and it, it's in the book. It's uh, by three boys in a field and one's in a Batman costume. And it's like the the emulsion got all screwed up because it was actually one of the first roles that I developed myself after getting back on the road. I didn't know my spools were all bent. And so like every oh. every image on the roll was screwed up except for this one. It was the only one that came out. And it was vignetted in this really weird way, like the top top right and bottom left of the corners. It was touching. And um, so it, just, it looked really bizarre. And it printed. It was just like it was so surreal. And I showed it to him. And I remember him looking at it. And he was just like, dude, like, what the hell are you doing? Like running around with me? Like, this is your subject matter. Like, hmm. how can you not see it? Like you're, you're playing. I remember he said, you're playing a hand you're not dealt. Like you need to like suck it up. I don't care if you like this work or not. You got to figure <laughs> out how to use it because like you're missing it. He was like, if I had a family, like he was like, I would kill for your subject matter. And I'd always felt the opposite way with him. Like he was like, you know, he was like my big brother in Free photography. Yeah. And like <laughs> right. he, he showed me art <laughs> photography and got in like, you know, he does all this really great, like historical work and it's, it's really interesting. And, 
at that point I realized like, wow, I really am like just trying to do something that's, it's not, it's not, it's not the right time for it. And I kind of had one of those moments, like I heard Emma Gowan talk about this later on about kind of like seeing your whole trajectory and kind of like coming back to where you're at feeling like you already did all that stuff. Cause I felt like at that point I was like, well, I'm basically starting off work that most people end up making, you know, like towards the end of the career, you know, when they're finally like settled. But that was the first image I was because that, that image was something that it harmonized with me in like a aesthetic and a visceral way that just pictures of my kids didn't, you know, it's like this, you know, I was always in heavy metal bands and I was mm-hmm. you know, always really interested in like really gritty work and, you know, always loved projects from like Larry Tao and Kadelka and, you know, this kind of like classic, like gritty, rough projects. And that image of my kids contained all of that inside of it. And that was like that first thing I was like, whoa, I can actually maybe do this. Like maybe I can make images that have all those feelings and all those emotions and all that complexity with like child actors. <laughs> that's basically yes, the way I thought right. of it. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, none of my pictures are like staged or, you know, or direct or anything like that, but just realizing that like I can apply all those things I did with sources on the road and like being a fly on the wall and being engaged like with my own family. And it really kind of like at that point got me excited because personally I was really trying to find a way to be present. You know, I was like constantly trying just to like to leave, to move somewhere else. And I was kind of like just realizing like, okay, no, like I'm here. I need to accept it, which means I need to find a way to be excited about what's around me. It's really hard for me to do anything if I don't somehow connect it back to like work somehow like I'm just always working so like if I have friends it's they're also connected to my work somehow <laughs> you know it's like mm-hmm. everything's connected so for me is like I really wanted to have an excuse just to spend unlimited time with my kids and to give them that laser beam focus you have when you have a camera for me photographing is just incredibly meditative because it's the only time that I can switch my brain off and just actually be in the moment and notice everything and not be thinking about 10 minutes ahead or 10 minutes behind, just like actually in the moment. And so kind of all those things came together. And I was like, wow, this is, this is actually the experience in life that I want, which is like being present and aware and actually enjoying the things around me. And it's also producing work that makes me excited that like looks the way that I want it to look and feels the way that I want it to feel. And, you know, that was the start of it. You know, it it took like three years for all the images in the book to kind of come together. But, you know, it's like, you kind of see it. It was like half life. It was like the first year I got like five images that were, that like mm. felt right, you know, cause you're still just kind of figuring it out. It's like, well, if I do this, right. like, no, it didn't work. And there's a lot of great pictures, but they just don't have that. Like they're not from the same movie. It's like the only way I can explain it to people. It's like, it's a great photo, but doesn't fit in this movie. And then like the next year is like, I kind of honed it in a little bit more and I got like 10 or 15. And then the following year it was like, you know, 30. And then like the <laughs> last, the last like stretch of time, it was like, you know, like every month I was getting like multiple images and, you know, I still wasn't really sure like what the book really was until um, like kind of the very end. But, you know, you're kind of feeling the images that feel right. Yeah, I, I, I'm much more mentally coherent in the mornings, just to <laughs> let you know. Like, so I, I, I am going to like go on long tangents know, and they, they might not connect back. In the mornings, I'm really good about connecting things back. You're more coherent than probably than you realize you are. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> but... um. There is a, a description of the book yeah, that yeah. describes the idea of children and the way they have, um, the way they play and the way they interact and the way they sort of experience the landscape in this kind of microcosm of a world, yeah, right? Yeah. 
And and that's very much, you very much get that feeling when you're looking at the photos because it, it does come in and out of that, right? Yeah. It goes kind of observing to into their world and then back to observing and then into their world. That's yeah. the way it kind of feels as I was going through it. And, and it has a lot to do with you getting in close and pulling back and getting close and then giving us details yeah. and then giving us these, you know, these beautiful, you know, gestures of bodies and play and yeah. all those things and and so it's it's also you also describe it as this um world of life and death and birth and mm-hmm. you i think you mentioned that 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 first image that sort of sparked this had this surreal quality and so right. i think the whole work has this surreal quality it's it's a little dreamlike in a sense it's totally. a little memory like yeah and then we have this sort of sense of place as well right this yeah. this farm is it a farm yeah. that you live on yeah this farm you live on right and then i think caitlin your wife appears once yeah. in the book yeah <laughs> yeah where she's um, i think she's taking care of fig trees yeah you know we we were planting an orchard and like i kind of went back and forth on that image but it was so perfect because she was you know she was putting netting up around it and protecting it and you know putting you know covering the 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 base of the tree so the deer wouldn't eat it and it was kind mm-hmm. of this beautiful idea of protection you know, and planting and starting out. So yeah, that's that's the only kind of like adult picture. I, every time I see that picture, I think of like the Charlie Brown, like adults, like when they talk. Like I always wah, hear, wah, yeah, wah. I always hear that in the background when I see that picture. Cause it's like the only place an adult really comes in. <laughs> but you know, like, and, and they're all black and white, right? Yeah. And it's all film based. Yep, all film. Yeah, I mean, I've shot like. I started out shooting film in high school. You know, we had a dark room and just really fell in love with it. And when I was doing a collective, I kind of experimented with different things. I was shooting digital for a while, but, you know, really switched back over just for the experience, you know, of just discovering, you know, like I was a collage artist. So like I work better with kind of discovering a fossil that you then have to take out of the ground versus uh, planning something. You know, I could never like paint on a blank canvas. I always had to like smudge something on it. So film is just it's so important for that, that distance that you really need for your work. Um, especially in like art photography, like it's just really important to allow magic to come in and to let go of the process. And I don't mean just like being messy or whatever, but like just not over planning, like so much of our lives and everything else are over planned and over determined. And you can really feel that in work. And I see that a lot in book club when I'm looking at stuff like, you know, you can just, you can tell a project that was like planned out and executed. And it's like, well, that's really good for like editorial, but it just, it doesn't, doesn't stick in your brain the way that images do that. Like the reason you pick them is because you've been looking at them for like three years and you haven't been able to get them out of your brain. You know, Mm. and so I think about that a lot with with film because, you know, like I shoot a lot, like I shoot at least a roll of film a day almost, if not more um, still. So it will be weeks before I see images and then it will be weeks before they get scanned and then months before they get printed in my dark room and then years before they end up in a book, you know. But (laughs) what happens when you do that is like you just really understand the images and it never fails like every time the image I'm trying to get is never the one that ends up being interesting. It's always one I don't remember taking, you know, one, mm. one that feels new, you know, in, in, in collage art, I always thought of it like I could never plan out a composition because you have to, the images that you find tell you what the composition is going to be. So like, it's like building a, like a brick wall, you know, your first image does this, and then you react to that and you find something else and it kind of does this. And I think 
images do the same thing. You know, it's like you're looking at something and it starts kind of telling you what it is and it tells you which images are important. And you kind of have to be in that mode of being like a, a conduit for mm-hmm. for the work itself. And um, I've just never been able to do that digitally. It's it's always just much more cut and dry of like what you're trying to get and what you executed. You know, yeah, your process gives yourself distance from the moment you've taken it to the moment you really start thinking about it. Yeah, uh, exactly. Know, considering it. And, right. And that, that really helps, too, especially with my subject matter being my kids, because like I never want to like like and you'll see this in the book, like there are no like good pictures of my kids, if you know what I mean. It's like that's why I always I hate it about like that kind of work is like it's really easy for that work to become uh, like kitschy or just like cute. And you know, my kids are like, they'll act out, they'll do cute things. It's like, well, it's okay. It's like, I'll give that picture to your mom, but like, I'm never going to use it. (laughs) But you know, like shooting a film, just having that distance really helps because it helps you see things that you don't see. Like that's why I stopped um, printing images right away like right after I did negatives because I'd always print the wrong ones. Then like a year later I'd looked at a context. I'm like, why the hell did I print that? That's a dumb image. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, this one's way better. It's more subtle. It's more interesting. Like it, it's interesting to you when you come back, you know, six months later and you know, that's what, that's what you need in work. You know, if you're going to hang something on the wall or put in a book, like you better yeah. get your money's worth out of it. You know, you better be enjoying it 10 years later. So yeah. So long story yeah. just to say that, it helps, no, no, it helps give I, you that I, space. I, like you, I am really, really yeah. passionate about that. And I feel like it, you know, people make the argument like film versus digital and like they, they look at all the wrong reasons to do the things. Right. You know, for me, it's like, it's, a, it's about practice. It's about seeing things. It's like, you know, talking to like musicians and, you know, people that play their, you know, their instruments every day and they record it and they listen to it over and over and over again. And then like weeks later, they start putting it together. It's like, it's the same kind of process, you know, as, as shooting film. It's just, it's committing to things, you know, then letting them sit and come back to them and come back to them and come back to them. Yeah. So the, the introduction is written by Emmett Gowan, who, who you mentioned. What was your connection to Emmett Gowan? I, I think the work is clearly influenced yeah, by Emmett Gowan, um, right? Emmett you know, when I started kind of like, when I finally decided like, oh, I guess I'm doing work on families. Like I kind of started actually looking into other people that had done it. You know, I knew Sally Mann, but never really anyone else. And, you know, I found Emmett's work and it just blew me away. And then we did his book, Mariposas Nocturnus for the book club, um, Mm. like two years ago, I think. So I actually got to go up to Princeton and just spend a few days with him. And he just, he really blew my mind. We had so much in common, you know, like both of our parents, you know, both of our fathers were were ministers. Oh. We had a lot of the same kind of upbringing, the same outlook. When you meet someone and you can kind of say things and you don't have to explain the language and they get all your references and they understand the same theological context you're coming from or philosophical influences like Paul Tillich or, you know, any like the French philosophers, like, you know, we just had a lot of this like in stride and... So I really wanted something from it. And, you know, and technically we didn't end up running anything as the official, like, you know, printed introduction. Um, I asked him to write me something. He ended up writing me like a two page handwritten letter about the book. And we, we've excerpted a lot of it, but I decided just to keep, he, he said I could print the, the whole letter, but I was like, no, I just kind of want to uh. keep this for myself. Because <laughs> um, it was so special, but he's uh yeah he really just gets the work and also I think his work was the first work on family I ever saw that really felt like it transcended just photos of like family like it wasn't pictures of his wife it wasn't pictures of his kids it was 
like photographs of all of humanity and like where Mm -hmm. we came from and what we're hoping for. Like it was like capturing something so much bigger than just that. A more archetypal quality. Yeah, exactly. These people are. Yeah. It was like, and you know, and those are the qualities in art that, that really last. Right. So it's like, you know, generations of people from every different walk of life or country can see something and can like, you know, make their, their knees shake because it, it connects with them. And, um, he's just a really, he's a really inspiring person and incredibly beautiful human being. As soon as he saw the book and, uh, he got back to like, just what he said about it, just like a cut right to the core. I was like, yeah, he, he got it. <laughs> it's like, he was like my, you know, Stephen King, one of my favorite, I, I say my favorite photo book is actually Stephen King's on book on writing. Because I think it's actually the best book about photography that's not about photography. Um, but he talks about like your ideal reader and writing for them. And, you know, Emmett was one of my ideal readers. So, yeah, the book is out now or soon to be out? Yeah, no, it's out. It's shipping this week, like tomorrow. <laughs> it is out. So the book is the book is out yeah. as of uh, this episode. And of course, when it's released, the book yeah. is available. Yeah, we... Uh, and it's going out to the book club, yeah, I see. Yeah, it's going out right? to the book club this month, um, which I'll talk about that in a second. I mean... So yeah, yeah. It's, yeah I, we, we've been shipping books to all of our uh, wholesalers first. So like photo bookstore just got theirs. Like we're sending it to a lot of people so we can be shipping I saw all it, the I think I saw time. it listed with PhotoEye. Yep. Yeah, we got a lot yep. of different people coming in, in Germany. Books really gotten out there, even though, you know, a lot of the stores that are um, more brick and mortars um, just really haven't been buying this year. But it's pretty much everywhere. And yeah, we'll be shipping to people that pre-ordered this week and book club this week. Yeah, I was originally, you know... I was kind of conflicted for a while about it going into book club and I was actually kind of fighting with some of the people on our team and um, some of our curators was like, I really don't feel comfortable about putting my own book through book oh. club. You know, it feels like a conflict of interest, even though like no one really knows me from book club, you know, it's, it's very <laughs> kind of autonomous, but I kind of got set straight from a couple of the folks that, uh, that, you know, gave us quotes and stuff. And they're like, look, like if, if we're all saying your book is one of the best this year, like trust you know trust your audience and also it was really cool because i started leaking trust your colleagues right Right, trust the people you're in business with trust the people you deal with trust the people who you've already put your trust in right (laughs) Right. ryan skutma todd heido emma gowan katrine koning koning or koning koning yeah 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 Yeah, it was it was funny because i so i started i started kind of leaking photos of the book maybe like eight months ago or something like that like just little spreads here and there and it was cool because there was a a large number of our of our book club members that I didn't know like followed me or like kind of found their way to me because like none of it's really kind of public. It's not like I signed my name at the end of emails or anything like that. I don't really know who our team is, but I started getting these like Instagram messages about, Hey, is this going to be in the book club? And like all these questions. And so like, it was really, really cool to start seeing that like build over time, like people that were paying attention. And then when we announced it, like got a bunch of emails from people. Cause like, you know, I do the customer service for that because I just really want to take care of our members. And we're getting people like, I had no idea that, that that was you that I've been talking to for like two years, like when, when books go yeah. missing or, or something like that. So, you know, it d- doesn't happen a lot, but it happens enough just to be, you know, it's, it's kind of fun. And then, you know, this, with the two books that we've published so far, you know, they had like the least amount of like swapping or anything like that. So it's cool to see that, you know, our members are, are really excited about it and just kind of, you know, see that as kind of like a, okay, cool. I can breathe. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> people didn't didn't hate it. <laughs> no, and it, that, I know that's a tough transition when you're when you're a behind the scenes person. You're producing, you're starting things, but you're never sort of the the front person, right? right. You're never the and that's and, you know, and that's kind of the goal too. You know, the idea of book club is we didn't want it to be something that was name driven. You know, I didn't want right. you know so much of photography is name driven. I really wanted everything that we do to be about the work. And if people want to be a part of it, it's because of the work that we've put out there. And it's not because of who's running it or who's involved or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but, it, you know, the, the back end of that is just being, you know, just cautious. Yeah. Yeah. But that's when, that's when it is helpful to have people you trust around you to right <laughs> you, you could have never made that decision for yourself right yeah right? exactly <laughs> just to sort of to, to wrap it up a little bit you're you know you started out um you had moved to the what was soon the former soviet union was it latvia that did you say yeah latvia and you know you're with your your father and your mother at the time yeah uh doing the mission work yep. and all do you think that and you mentioned that you you had this kind of a uh, um, nomad spirit, right? Yeah. It took a long time for you to settle down and feel a, a, any sense of home. Yeah, was that um, that early traveling and and experience with your parents and the mission work? Is that something that you think has influenced the way you work and the way you you sort of uh, interact with the world? And oh yeah, has that I had mean, a lasting impact. Yeah, I mean the the book itself, I think, is a really good example of that because. I think the reason I'm so interested in being present or like the the connection that my children have to the world around them and the natural world is, you know, I, I grew up in a kind of a culture where like the most amount of time you spent on anything was thinking about what happened when you died, you know? So there, then also moving around a lot, there's a lot of disconnection from the natural world. And so, so much of this is kind of trying to go back to that and, you know, my kids are kind of my guides to that because they're so intuitively connected. You know, kids can find magic in just about any landscape. Just being able to kind of follow behind them and listen to their conversations and kind of be allowed into that, it makes everything, you know, more spectacular and more magical. And so anything that I do artistically is, um, it just kind of comes from what I'm doing internally. You know, it's like trying to navigate my own internal landscape and that's how I work it out is through through art, just to understand it better. And so a lot of this time for me, going through a lot of deconstruction and a lot of thoughts, um, you know, also like having kids kind of coming to realization about like mortality, you know, thinking through like all these different things in life that you do at a certain age and all that starts playing into it, you know, being just more aware of death and the possibilities of death and having friends you know that were really close to me that have died and having friends whose children have died and you know kind of seeing all these things and you know photography too like you know the idea of you know learning to love mystery and not needing to have every answer you know every question answered you know like I see a lot of these things I've learned through photography and art um, to be very kind of parallel like internally and kind of spiritually for myself too. And so all these things have very significant connections to me. And even, you know, the work being called The Locust, you know, I wanted it to kind of put people in kind of more of a biblical, uh, almost mythological kind of state of mind when they're looking at it that, you know, locusts is really interesting because, you know, they are these things that since prehistory have caused 
devastation and famine and all these things, but they're also in both Christianity and in Muslim faith, you know, those, uh, it was a food of the prophets when they're in exile in the wilderness. And so it's just like that duality and that, that weird place that as humans were always in of this kind of pendulum between hope and anxiety, just that, that liminal space, like all that stuff that's in the, this book is just everything I'm, I'm still trying to work through in my own life. And so like shooting in, in black and white, it really is just trying to find a way to see all these tones of gray and to not see things so stark as, you know, good and bad or life and death and just see like the rebirth and everything and to be okay with, with sorrow, you know, to be okay with happiness, um, to see beauty in wreckage, you know, that's, it's, it's really hard to kind of like, you know, hold dualities in, in, in your head at the same time and be okay with it. But, you know, again, that's like what art and photography do, you know, you, you love the image you can't figure out, you know, you learn to, to love the mystery of it, you know, and there's something yeah. kind of like so exciting about that, you know, and the idea of the locust, like for the book, you know, people have asked me like, why is it called that? You know, you don't have any pictures of locusts, you know, it's not about famine. And it's like, it's really supposed to be that subtext. It's kind of that, that feeling that like hearing this, like buzzing behind every image of that. There's something behind it that is, is brooding, you know, there it's not quite everything that you've seen. It's not quite good. It's not quite bad, but there's something, something back there, you know, I, I think that's a, uh, also a beautiful way to describe the the photos absolutely and uh i think that's a, a great place to, to end as well and cool. so thank you very much yeah yeah i know i know how busy you are <laughs> and i really appreciate no, us for, for us to finally get a figure out a time to record yeah no i i hope it came out coherent <laughs> absolutely all right well thanks again and uh bye everyone goodbye everyone <laughs> <laughs> Real Photo Show with Michael Chauvin Dalton is a production of Real Photo Show, which you can listen to on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and be sure to subscribe on any one of those services or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>